Welcome to the Burr's Minute Podcast, quite possibly the greatest Michael Germain movie ever made. I'm Jeff Ferry. And I'm Chris Durkach. And this week we are covering Minute 59 of the Burbs, which begins with Rumsfeld remarking on the good solid floors and ends with Uncle Reuben glaring at Mrs. Rumsfeld. So we're into a minute three or four of hanging out at the Klopex house. <laughs> and it's just about as exciting as we thought it would be. And um, Uncle Reuben's still staring at somebody by the end of this minute. Yes, it's just... <laughs> He only has one mode, and it's staring. Yeah, it's stare mode. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, every once in a while, he normally is staring at Ray, but he will make an exception to stare at somebody else. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't discriminate when it comes to staring. <laughs> yeah, so we get, we begin or we finish the last minute with um, our Rumsfeld, who's really been the one moving the action lately. Definitely. With no art around to screw everything up. He's the main person. I mean, if he wasn't there, I guess they would have just spent an hour and a half staring at each other. Yeah, they would have just sat there. Maybe had some tea and left. Yeah, so he does. He pounds on the walls, and then he stomps on the floor to end last minute. And then after he stomps on the floor this time three times, he gets a return three pounds on the ceiling. Yeah, something bangs back. And it kind of cuts around the room to everybody's face. And everyone <laughs> kind of has like a little bit of a, a scared look on their face. Yeah. Except for Rumsfeld. His line's funny, too. Oh, what, is it, what does he say? You got somebody tied up in the cellar there, have you, Rube? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's, he has already pretty much dropped the pretense. Like, later on, he's going to totally drop it and just lay it on the line. But he's already pretty much. But, I mean, he, everybody's scared, and he's smiling because he's, he's glad. This is all a game okay. to him. He's loving this. And he's what happens, like, What happens after that line is very strange. You see Ray start sneezing and coughing? <laughs> <laughs> he kind of grabs a newspaper or something. He's, let's talk. Let's get into the the Ray sneezing and coughing thing. Because uh, I have a friend of mine. This is his favorite scene in the movie. Is the the Tom Hanks sneeze face. Yeah. The, 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 <laughs> like that. Now, I guess we're led to believe that the reason why he's doing that, I guess, is because he ate the sardine. The sardine? Or was he having like a panic attack? I couldn't figure it out. But I have it in my note. Where is the sardine? Because it's not like it's in... Normally, if you're going to have a reaction like that to food, it's while you're eating it. Right. You spit it out. That's yeah. usually what happens. But. but at the end of this, he does spit something out. He does. He picks up a newspaper off. I guess there's an end table sitting there. Or not, it's a, it might be a box. A box with newspaper in it. Like a packing he box. Just, he just grabs random things of theirs and starts blowing his nose on it and spits in it. Yeah, it is almost the equivalent of like peeking somebody had like a blanket and you just blew your nose into it. Yeah, it was pretty close to that. Yeah, so I'm not sure what his reaction is. I guess it's because he ate the sardine, but he should have been right away. It was weird. Yeah, it was a strange time for it. I mean, it's a great thing because it's so, it's such an undignified sneeze. <laughs> and the girls seem to get weirded out by it too. They both lean forward like, what the hell is he doing? Well, I guess they're just like trying to make sure he's not going to die. Because the thing he's that like I really joking. about his performance here is he's really getting across the fact that he's trying not to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Like he doesn't, you know, when you're trying to hold back a sneeze or a cough and you're like, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. But then it just starts sneaking out and he's doing the. <laughs> he couldn't help himself. Yeah. The, the women get like halfway out of their chair. Like they're going to do something. Yeah. And that's when he says pack and dust. I'm sorry. And then they just lean back. Like they're going to like they're everything's fine again. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to look at the news. I can't really see. There's no, uh, I can't see nothing on the newspaper to really let me know anything about it. If it's I know. a real newspaper or just like fake Hollywood newspaper. <laughs> yeah, he's he's sorry that he blew his nose into 
something and just laid it back down on the ground. <laughs> and then uh, finally, because Rumsfeld, I have it right here at the packing dust scene. Rumsfeld's not done with his interrogation. No. You know, he had a little weird break in the action there, but he's not done asking. So he's going to just flat out ask, so is it you guys the only ones living here? You know he could care less about what's going on. He doesn't know how many people live in this house. (laughs) And he's going to find out. (laughs) This is a weird turn here, though, because he asked that question. And then Brother Theodore, who up until this point has said, what, two words? Yeah. I think he said, oh, no, he asked uh, Ray, are you the ones who lives next door? And then he yelled, no. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But very gruffly and very kind of, like, mean. But then he says something about, like, who lives here. And in a totally different tone. He tells him how it's a small family, just himself, the young boy, and his brother. I, I don't know, is is Ruben afraid that they might be onto him? Because he's being a lot nicer at this point. Yeah. Now all of a sudden it's like, oh, we're a small family. A minute ago it was like, no. <laughs> or he was just offended by him calling him Slavic. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so Ruben stands up to talk to him about his brother, the doctor. Yeah, the doctor. And then Rumsfeld stands up, I guess – because, you know, they're kind of engaged in a sort of a pissing contest right now. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, Bruce Stern stands up because he's quite a bit taller than Brother Theodore. Yeah, a little bit. And then his wife just goes, wouldn't it be nice having a doctor living in the neighborhood? <laughs> yeah. That was a strange comment, too. I mean, I guess it's one of those you just want to throw it out there. It, it, in a normal world, I guess that is a good thing. It's like if you have a doctor that lives in your neighborhood or, like, if a cop moves into your neighborhood – you're like, well, that's nice, because that'll help. Yeah, I guess that's somewhere to run to if something happens. <laughs> well, you're just hoping if like somebody parks a cop car on your street, that'll keep some of the problems away. <laughs> so, I mean, I wrote down in my notes that he's staring at – yeah, I did – did I write – I forget what I said. Yeah, he's staring at Mrs. Rumsfeld because she makes that dumbass comment. Yeah, yeah, he just stares at her. So he, even the Uncle Ruben's having no part of it. <laughs> he's just like, what are you doing, dummy? Yeah, so, I mean, not this is kind of the in-between from starting at the Clopex and leading up to meeting the doctor. Yeah, yeah, this is just a build-up. Yeah, so the first time you hear it, and he says, my brother, the, the doctor, what, I mean, there's absolutely no reason for him to say it that way. Right. He could just say, my brother, uh, what, I forget what his name is, Werner. Yeah. Or, yes, we also live with my brother, but he has to say it so menacingly. Yeah, the doctor. My brother, the doctor. <laughs> and also, so your brother's downstairs. Why the weird pounding? Like, why did is that how you guys communicate in the house? <laughs> yeah. Some sort, some sort of modified Morse code. <laughs> All right. So this minute we have uh, the greatest Michael Germain moment moment minute we've ever had. So uh, I know you're a big fan of Michael Germain. Tell me all about him. Michael Germain. That's uh Michael Jackson and Jermaine Jackson together. Oh boy. <laughs> yes, he is part of the makeup department. Okay. <laughs> there was no particular reason for him in this uh, scene, but uh, I guess everybody's got their makeup on, right? Well, so uh, good job by him. <laughs> not in this scene, but Hans definitely has something on his face—purple eyes and stuff. Yeah, well, ever gets every scene with him. So Michael Germain worked up till 2010. Again, I don't know if he's alive or deceased. I'm not going to check on that. We don't want to know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He has 81 credits, including an acting credit. His acting credit is in Home Again. Interesting. <laughs> it's in what? A, a movie called Home Again. Oh, I never heard of it. Not Home Alone, Home Again. Home Again. <laughs> Let's see what Home Again's like. 
Home Alone again? <laughs> home again. Three Jamaicans who are deported from the U.S., Canada, and England must make their way home in a land they are not familiar with. It really sounds like someone didn't show up that day. Is he Jamaican? I doesn't sound like it. <laughs> it doesn't sound like it. Though. Michael Jermaine? Yeah. I mean, I guess it's not impossible. <laughs> uh, we'll go through a few of his uh, his real highlights of his career. He was a makeup artist on Fist. Shout out to Slycast. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he was a uh, he was a makeup artist on a TV movie called Death Car on the Freeway, which sounds like one of those ones they would show you in driving class <laughs> to scare you. So yeah. You... <laughs> this is what not to do. Yeah. This is blood on the highway. <laughs> um, he was makeup artist on Halloween 2, 48 Hours, War Games, Big Chill, Streets of Fire, Brewster's Millions, Weird Science. He had a nice little run there in the yes. 80s. That I can't imagine what they needed, like, a makeup artist for. I mean, I know that. You need a makeup artist. They, and they always got to put stuff on their face because there's all those lights. Yeah. But it doesn't sound like he does, like, horror makeup or anything. Yeah, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Jumpin' Jack Flash. These are all movies I watched as a kid. Yeah. And then he does Red Heat, The Burbs, Another 48 Hours, The 1990 Fear, Soap Dish, Sister Act. Yeah, he's not exactly in, you know, heavy makeup movies. I was trying to look through here. Oh, he's in, he was the makeup department head in Blade. Well. So, I mean, that had some makeup effects. Yeah, that had some effects in it. Um, King Blade was a good movie. Oh, I like that Oh, one. here we go. Fast and the Furious. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here we go. In Anger Management, he was the makeup artist. For Mr. Nicholson. In the pledge, he was the makeup artist for Mr. Nicholson. Just Mr. Nicholson. Oh, yeah, here we go. The Departed, The Bucket List, How Do You Know? Like his last five of his credits in the mid to late 2000s were just as Jack Nicholson's personal makeup person. Oh, wow. That's what he does now, huh? You know, well, I mean, he ain't doing it no more because Nicholson retired, but. Yeah. I mean, that's a good gig if you can get it. Like, we had somebody else like this before where they ended up being the personal. Like, makeup person. For, oh, the other guy was a personal stuntman. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's a decent gig if you can get it. If right, because then get anytime it, person's personal thing. Yeah, you get, anytime that person's working, you know you got a job. Well, yeah, because, you know, if Jack Nicholson goes on to his next movie and is like, yeah, I want Mike Germain as my makeup artist, they're like, sure thing, Jack. <laughs> yeah, whatever you said. <laughs> like, what do they care? Yeah. They were like, we're just going to hire any of them. They all cost the same amount. Right. Michael Germain it is. <laughs> <laughs> like whatever we were just gonna hire some other person but this guy will do <laughs> alrighty do you have anything else for this minute no there wasn't a lot for this minute to be honest with you no this was kind of like the um, this is the catch your breath minute yeah after getting in and all the crazy stuff that happened with Hans and Uncle Reuben and screaming and this and that and then you kind of have this down moment before we meet the last of the Klopax just uh, Tom Hanks having a fit other than that there was really nothing left <laughs> yeah and even that that's not even like a laugh out loud moment. No, it was That's just more strange. like a what? The, what's yep. going on here? <laughs> All right, so I'm gonna tell the, the lovely listeners to head over to the Facebook page and they can talk with us there or over on Twitter. We're pretty active on both of those. Uh, let's say you can go over to uh, Chris's eBay page if you feel like you need a uh, maybe a road dog. Oh, uh, I don't think I have a road dog up there. <laughs> I was trying to think of somebody that was pretty obscure. <laughs> I, I know I had him before, but I don't think he's up there now. And I just listed uh, 270 things, so I'm sure you can find something you're looking for. Oh, you, <laughs> you mean you can't find the guy that wrestled for three years, 20 years ago? <laughs> <laughs> that, who I wouldn't have even remembered except I saw him on TV like two nights ago. Oh, yeah? What was he doing? He was on the Diva show. Uh, was he really? Oh, my he God. He works backstage. 
Yeah, I know he was backstage. He's some sort of, I don't know what, you know, (laughs) not producer, but like maybe kind of like a writer type thing. Some sort of stand around backstage. They they kind of have like a booking agent for each match. Yeah. He's like one of them. Oh, okay. So you're in charge of that match, so when it goes wrong, you get in trouble. I love that it sounds bad that I watch wrestling, but you said you're watching the Divas show, so. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. I'm the one watching the one with all the the women scantily clothed, and you're the one watching with all the men scantily clothed. I'm the problem here. There are horrible, horrible people on that show. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so uh, also don't forget about the other uh, movies on the Movies by Minute podcast. In the short one week since our last episode, there have been a few additions. You can go on there and listen to the whole shebang, the Minute by Minute Velvet Gold Mine podcast. (laughs) Which, let me just double check. I thought they might be done. They are done. They're done? Yeah. Wow. Minute 120. They are all done. So if you want to pick up a minute podcast that's already finished, listen, if the words velvet goldmine came out of my mouth and you knew what it was, this is the minute podcast for you. You probably should do it. If I said that and you had no idea what it was, then this is not the minute podcast for you probably. I had no idea what it was. (laughs) (laughs) Well, then it's not for you. (laughs) But I did just... Start the Avengers podcast. Okay, yeah. Well, I'm about halfway through Ghostbusters. I finished Ghostbusters. Speaking of that, uh, correction from about 20 episodes ago. Oh, good lord. The Spirit Guide that we were talking about, do you remember? And I said that was a real book. Yeah. You knew the name of it? Yeah, it is a real book that they wrote after Ghostbusters was made. Yeah, Tobin's Spirit Guide. <laughs> Tobin's Spirit Guide. It's a real book that was written after Ghostbusters was oh, made. Man, I miss it. Man, it's a real book. Yeah, it's a real book. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and not say that's a correction. <laughs> I didn't say that, that we were right. <laughs> I refuse to take that correction. <laughs> okay, that's good. <laughs> I say, uh, that's all for us this week, and uh, and uh, stay safe, neighbors. <laughs> <laughs>